Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and I'm hoping for all of your fitness greatness. Yes, that was a different start. I know, shedheads. Welcome to Outside the Sheds. I'm a little out of it. It might be a little bit of the Thanksgiving hangover here. You know, because nothing like a holiday over here in the United States of America that says, eat, eat again, eat again. Did you have dessert yet? Eat again. And that's what I'm, I think I'm coming from, and a lot of people are coming from after this week that we just had, which truthfully is the longest NFL week in the history of the National Football League. I know this because they just finished the Ravens and Steelers game this afternoon here with a nice 2.30 start because we got to make sure on prime time we light the tree in New York City that 90% of us have not seen. But we're going to do a nice two, three-hour special on lighting a star on top of the thing. Let's light the lamp, folks. Let's light it on top of the goal. Where's the NHL? I want to see that lighting. Nothing against a Christmas tree. I love Christmas. I just don't care about your tree. I like my tree. But that's me. So, the NFL's a little upset. They're so upset still that they actually showed the, the ratings for the lighting ceremonies on NBC compared to what the NFL ratings would be and said, what are you doing? But you can see I'm, I'm coming back off a little bit of a holiday where, you know, just like all of us should have been doing. But anyway, I did. I stayed secluded. Stayed away from the mask pop. Wore my mask. Not inside. Don't need to wear it inside. But again, I did what most of us probably should have done. And I stayed away from everybody and stayed healthy and ate and didn't eat too crazy. But it was a good time. And I, I enjoy Thanksgiving. I still think Halloween is my favorite holiday. But I still enjoy Thanksgiving. But anyway, I could go on for a long time and I digress. But again, welcome to Outside the Sheds. This is your Shed Adamus. This is Corey Jackson, and, and it's so good to have you guys back, and I've been very, very excited for this week, and, and like I said before, this is going to be a different time for us, because this is our first going outside the sheds, where we're going through an off-season, where we're not talking about games, per se, we're going to be talking about what's going on in the world of, 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 of rugby league, of, of AFL footy, Australian rules footy. Um, and, you know, everything else that comes to pass. But, but, Shedheads, if you remember what I left us with last week, I made sure I, I talked about the last game to end the rugby league season around the world. And that's the Super League Grand Final. And the good thing, and if you think about this, the NRL Grand Final between Penrith and and your Melbourne Storm was a one against two battle. And 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 it was hard to believe that we got that across across the channel, across the ditch. I know that's New Zealand, folks, I know, but still, across the wide world of sports, if you want to say that. But in England, in the Super League, we had a one versus two battle. It was strange because the the, the Super League grand final was not held in their typical stadium, wasn't at Wembley, wasn't at Old Trafford, it was at Hull Stadium. And I think the thing that was the most different of the whole experience was there was no fans. I guess we're kind of used to that. But it was different. But the, the great thing about the Super League Grand Final was that didn't affect the level of play. And I think that what we have to at this time, being fans of the sport that we're talking of, or all sports, there's a different feeling being on that field and playing at a thousand miles an hour without the energy coming from the crowd. And that's no matter if they're screaming expletives at you or if they're screaming your name. It's different because you have to get yourself up. 
And those sound effects that we're getting on TV, thank you NRL, is computer generated. And a lot of stadiums don't have that same sound effect kicking through their stadiums. We're just getting that feeling watching it at home. But these guys are going out on these fields and giving everything they've got but by generating their own passion, by generating their own energy, by generating their own camaraderie out there on the field. And you hear the players say they do miss the fans, and they do because there's an energy they bring. No matter if you're an idiot that just cusses and you want to freaking lay down some money or because your fantasy team, get over it by the way, or if you're just a rabid supporter of your club, there's an energy that's out there. And to watch these guys play at the levels that they've been playing at in, the, in all of these codes has been something to really take in and to really give them thanks for and to say thank you to them for because they have got us through some really dark times, these players, by bringing us happiness because it's about our only form of normalcy that we've had in the last eight months is sport. And I don't care if you're a Democrat. I don't care if you're a Republican. But the thing is, the, all, the one thing that we can all agree on is we love sports. We love it. They make us for three hours, two hours, four hours, forget about the mundane lives that we live. So with that being said, we got to end this because it looks like the NRL is not going to have to go through this and the AFL probably is not going to go have to go through this because the NRL and the, the, the New South Wales governing body has said that, that sports will be at 100% capacity coming back. Yes, I know Australia, New Zealand, don't brag at us right now. I think it's been reported that there's been eight positive COVID tests in Australia in the last month, that's pretty darn good. We won't talk about American numbers right now, shall we? Let's not do that. But, uh, I, oh wait, maybe we should because we're Americans and the bigger the, the bigger the better, right? So maybe that's why we're going for huge numbers. I don't know. But, but it looks like with the NRL doing this, with today um, lockdown, government lockdown being lifted in England, that it looks like every other part of the world besides the United States is coming back to normalcy. So hopefully we're going to have full stadiums uh, for these players to play in front of next year, down under and in England. But let's go back to the Super League Grand Final. And I have to tell you, folks, if you liked games that are 28 to, to 20 or 34, 28, this might not have been your game. But this was one of the most physical, hard-hitting, in-your-face competitions that we may have seen for a grand final, Super League grand final, in the history of the Super League grand final. And that's just not your Shed Adamas talking. That's just not me saying this. All of the pundits on TV were saying this. And, and they, they, were, they were out of their mind with the tackling, with the kicking, with everything that makes rugby league such a great game, it was done with precision, touch, and class. And I think that's all you can hope for. And yes, we didn't get that shootout. I think a lot of people thought we were going to have a shootout. But when you have two teams that preach defense and want to, to bully each other into submission, that's sometimes what you get. And that's what we got. We got the defending champion, St. Helens, the Saints taking on the Wigan Warriors. And like I said last week again, we had a lot of Australian NRL uh, prodigies and players playing in this game, which made it really cool. So if you're watching it from, from, from Sydney or Brisbane, there's guys you know in that game. There are guys that you've watched play for their clubs. In the NRL. So it was a really, really fun game. You had some things going on there. Again, and, and, and besides the two best teams, it is an old rivalry too. St. Helens against Wigan. Because both teams feel they're easily the two best teams in Super League. And feel like they should be one or two every year. 
And with the money they spend and, and with the coaching they have and the players they have, they probably should be. But we had some, some major milestones that were happening in that game too because Sean O'Loughlin, the captain of Wigan, and James Graham. Everyone remembers big James Graham from the Canterbury Bulldogs and, the, and, 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 and St. George, Illawarra, the Dragons. Both those guys were retiring after this game. And it's kind of sad to see when you see war horses finally saying they've had enough. And if you look at Sean O'Loughlin, the guy is still built out of chiseled granite and looks like he could play another year. But everyone forgets, you know, everyone talks about Cameron Smith being 35, 36. Sean O'Loughlin's getting ready to be 38 years old. And he's still out there cracking people. Um, so seeing these two guys retire was sad, but at the same time, it's part of the game. We know Jimmy Graham. James Graham is going back down under. He's going back to Australia. He's made some incredible roots there. He's 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 lived a lot of his adulthood in England, and it looks like he's going to probably go back and work for one of the networks. I think they're he's he's aiming for Fox League in Australia to definitely do some TV work. And it'll be fun to see James Graham because he's got a great sense of humor. He may be the meanest guy out on the field during game day, but he is going to be fun and he's going to be an addition to whoever gets him. The Super League season took 11, excuse me, 10 months to complete. Think about that. 10 months. Super League starts earlier than the NRL competition down under. And, and usually when the two champions play, the Super League's already into, you know, week four of the season, while the NRL is still in preseason. That's why it's so impressive that the NRL has won, I think, three out of, three out of the last four um, or four out of the last five of the, of the champions getting together for the Super League and the NRL. But 10 months to complete a season. So much, so many of us forget that. We just think about quarantine. The Super League season had been going on two months before quarantine even started. So these guys have been playing for a very, very, very long time. And I got to tell you something. They didn't, it, it was a game that lived up to everything that we could expect. Um, it was a, sl- I don't want to say it was a slow game in that first half, but it was just hard hitting. And it took until the 40th minute for us to get our first points when Lachlan Coop kicked a penalty goal to send St. Helens into the to, into the sheds up two to nothing. And then we come back out in the second half, and again, just a just a slobber knocking game. You had injuries. You had Kevin Gama trying to play the ball, raking Jackson Hastings' face, uh, making him look. You know, some people would say halves are some pretty boys. Uh, giving him some good cuts and probably not good to Jackson, but some good cuts um, on his face. But again, Jackson Hastings laid there on the ground for a little while, took a little Vaseline on his wounds and was back in the line. And it again took until the 65th minute for Wigan to score the first and only try of the game, a pass that was started out wide to the right side um, by Jackson Hastings that finally found the hands of Jake Bibby. And in the 65th, excuse me, in the 65th minute, Wiggins up 4-2. Zach Hardiker misses the kick after, the point after. And again, we're still a two-point game. Again, it takes until the 71st minute. And the Jackson Hastings that we were just talking about, your NRL veteran or NRL you know, product that's that's playing over there. Your man of steel for the 2019 season for Salford Red Devils gets a questionable call against him because it looked like Theofage was slipping in the tackle and Jackson Hastings hit him high. A lot of the the pure bloods of the game will say there's no way in hell that was a penalty, but it was given. And Lachlan Coote ties the game up at 2-2 with a penalty kick. And then it's pretty much just holding serve again. Until we finish with the last minute and a half of craziness. The, the craziest minute and a half I may have ever seen at the end of a game. Because, again, it looks like we're going to go to sudden death point. And then all of a sudden, 
another penalty is called, and Zach Hardiker goes back to kick a pretty long kick for goal, which would put Wigan up six to four. A lot of people thought he had the leg to make the kick. I thought of the distance. And I thought of the the magnitude of the kick. And I thought it was going to be tough for Hardiker to make the kick. And he didn't. He sprayed it wide. And instantly, St. Helens goes on the attack. All the the commentators are talking about how the the game is going to go to Golden Point. But but St. Helens says, we've still got a chance. Let's see what we can do with it. And St. Helens starts pushing the ball up the field. A big run by Nagama. All of a sudden sets up Tommy Makinson to kick for goal. And he, make, and he gets a kickoff. And then one of the strangest endings that I may have ever seen in the game. The ball hits one of the posts and goes straight down. It doesn't deflect off to the right. doesn't deflect off to the left. It drops like, like a goose shot over a field. Just goes right down, and then takes a crazy bounce to go into the end to the tri- inside the try line. And you have Bevan French standing there, Bevan French from the Parramatta Eels. And Bevan French does not make mistakes like this. I think Bevan French is waiting for the ball to take that next that next hit and to just go out of bounds and getting ready for Golden Point. But instead, the ball goes straight up in the air. And Bevan French freezes for just a split second. Which allows Jake Wellsby to come running in, box him out, and to get the ball down and tap it down for a try. It was insane. I couldn't believe that it happened. And Wellsby is the youngest player in the game. He's 19, I think. And for him to be put on that stage and to make that moment, it was it was a fairy tale finish. It was craziness. It was, you know, to see both teams' reactions after it went up uh, for review and for it to be given as a try, which it very much was. What an ending for the game. So much so, I don't think I've ever seen James Graham uh, not have words to say and to actually break down on the field and cry with it being his last game. And you have to remember, he was one for seven in grand finals appearances in his career. So to go out on top with that grand final victory means everything. It was a fairy tale for him because, you know, he got out of his contract with with St. George and they let him leave to go and join the Saints in England to go back home to finish out his career and to see him wearing St. Helens colors and to le- to finish his career with a victory was really really cool to see. It was very cool to see and and I I it the game so much exceeded my expectation um, and I am a Super League fan. I'm saying it is it's rugby league and I love the game of rugby league. You don't have to worry about a bunch of officials on the call saying unnecessary roughness and it's just you know the things that are making. American football just drag on now and just make you pull your hair out with the, all of the whistles and the penalties. We don't get that in the in, in rugby league. And that's the thing I tell people over and over again. I tell my friends over here in America, if you want a game that 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 flows and with this sex with the six again penalty now, the game is even faster. It's even quicker paced. I, I just, to me, it is is it is a beautiful, beautiful game, and I and I can't say that I've ever been with a sport that every year I fall in love with it more and more and more. And to me, it's it's both of the sports, um, Aussie Rules Football and Rugby League. It's just the fluid, the flow of the game. There's not tons of stopping and starting. They let the players play it. And, and I think a lot of times over here in America, some of these officials like to see themselves on TV and like to blow the whistle. Because if you want a game to flow, you can't be adding new rules in every year. It just, it just, doesn't, it just doesn't add up to a fluid game. 
and that we get to watch an entire game in two hours when we have to watch a three and a half hour you know, American football game. And I love American football. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying it's not the same game I grew up watching. I'm saying the penalties are just too much. And and I, and last time I checked, quarterbacks aren't punters or kickers. And they're protected like they're, you know, the president of the United States, as long as he doesn't have COVID. But anyway, um, there's my soapbox uh, preached to uh, you shed heads for the week. But anyway, I hope you guys got a chance. The good thing is Fox Soccer Channel is going to replay the game quite a bit. And and you know me, I'm not the biggest social media person. But I guarantee if you want to find it hard enough, um, you will find it easily online. And make sure you check it out because it was a great, great game. And I think it was an incredible game for Super League because there was no competition with it. And if you're a rugby league fan, it was the only game. It was the only game. And so, what a great job. Uh, congratulations to Super League for getting to, f- to finish the season and finishing it with a game like that. I'm looking very, very much to next year's season with Super League. Uh, we're really getting an influx of players going over from Australia and, and, inf- and infusing into the game over there, which I think is making for an even better product for the Super League. Um, so, uh, I am definitely going to be tuned in uh, extensively, and 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 people that may love me may be going, oh boy, here we go. But now that means that my season starts, I mean my week starts on Thursday afternoon, uh, all the way to Sunday afternoon, or Sunday, I guess Sunday morning, because of the time differential, but I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it. But that kind of leads me to my next story in the 4020. And this is something that I find very, very exciting, but very, very different. But I think if we want to get these two competitions in the same platform, I think this is going to add up to some bigger things later on down the line. But we had a major, major shift that happened where the 2021 season for the NRL and Super League are both going to start on the same day. Think about that for a second. I know for at least the last four to five seasons, and I haven't, and I have not paid attention to Super League too terribly much to know exactly when the start and stop dates were. But this is the first time that I can remember that they have they are now going to match up with the NRL and start. Because we both have a March 11th start date for the Super League and the NRL. And I think that's exciting. I think that is so cool. I think that um, you're going to have the chance, and I think maybe they're doing this too because don't forget, uh, Shedheads, next year is the 2021 is going to be the Rugby League World Cup is at the end of the season again. So that might be the other reason they're doing it, but either way, I don't care. I just think it's really cool for both competitions to be kicking off on the same date. And I think, like I said, this is gonna this is going to mean something down the line in the future. Maybe where we might see some, I don't know, competitions maybe playing, and maybe when we start seeing the two champions play, one of them doesn't have more time than the other one on the field. I think it's an awesome thing, and I'm very very excited. That might be my most exciting off season news that I've heard myself. Staying over in England. Big thing just happened. I told you last week about the coaching change that's happened where we had some of the West Tigers moving across, where we had Brett Hodgson going across and taking the head coaching job at Hull FC. And I didn't really know that that was going to help, I guess, lead to our next story in the 4020. But Hull FC came out of the blocks and offered Benji Marshall a one-year, 700,000-pound contract to come over to Super League and play one season for sure. But that would have made Benji the highest-paid excuse me, highest paid player in Super League. At 35, Benji Marshall would have been the highest-paid player in the Super League for next season. But again, Benji's a West Tigers through and through. He played in the grand final with the coach of Hull. And I think that shows how much the co- the coach of Hull believes in Benji in his game. Now, word is still coming out that Benji is kicked that offer back 
because he wants to stay in Sydney. Um, I think he is thinking for post rugby league career or rugby league player career because he's got a good thing going with Fox News or Fox League. Uh, we're not talking Fox News here. Fox League. And so that I think he wants to stay there because I think he sees his stepping stone into the next part of his professional career after he's done playing. But that really, that kind of upset me a little bit because I sure would have loved to see Benji putting on a Hall jersey. And and I know that he's he's had a little, in, a little interest from the Cattenberry Bulldogs, from the Sharks, and from the Cowboys. Um, it does not look that he is going to go with the Sharks because it looks like they re-signed Jake Trindle um, to be the half of the future there. So even with Sean Johnson going to be out of the game for a while, I think they're going to they're going to do a Chad Townsend uh, Trindle halves combination pairing. But I tell you, I, I if I was the Sharks and I had a chance to get Benji Marshall and let Trindle learn under Benji Marshall for a season, I don't know how you're not making that deal. I don't know how you're not making that deal. But Benji probably knows more than I do. His agent definitely knows more than I do about what's going on behind the scenes. But he knows something, or you don't turn down 700,000 pounds. That's me. And I know, trust me, Fox League is going to be there still next year. Trust me. They're going to be there next year. So I, I don't I don't want to say that it's a done-done deal, but we'll see. But I'm excited to see because it, it sounds like Benji's got some news that he's going to say uh, within this week. So maybe by next, by next uh, episode of Outside the Sheds, we'll have some more information of where the landing spot is excuse me, the landing spot is for the gazelle. But um, it's going to be interesting to see. Here is a crazy story that just broke uh, last night. Brent Naden of the Penrith Panthers, it's saying tested positive and played in the grand final for the Penny Panthers after testing positive and having cocaine in his system. Think about this for a second. How is a player playing in the grand final after testing positive for cocaine? I, 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 Shedheads, I hope you can give me an answer for this. I know Gus Gould is, is baffled, probably more baffled than I am. I'm saying he's in the game. But how do you let a player play when he tests positive for, you know... Asada, Australian Doping Association, Asada loses it over performance-enhancing drugs for players. You know, Bronson Sherry, you know, unfortunately the Sharks, what they had to go through. But to let a player play with cocaine in his system and you're just going to let him play, does that mean if, if Penrith would have won the grand final that there would be talk about possibly stripping them of the jack? I don't know. But I don't know how you're allowing a player with as strict as Asada is play in the grand final. And what the repercussions could have been if if, if Penrith would have won the game. I just, I, it, it just, it's baffling to me. And I don't know who's making the, the decisions or or who made the decision to let Brett, Brett Naden still take the field. But it's a proven fact and it happened. And... Um, I think some people are going to have to answer for this, and I hope they do, because that makes no sense. And and for as much as Asada tries to say that they're the you know the integrity of the game, and them not allegedly stepping in and saying something there, you know, I, maybe they're getting ready to do a, a larger investigation, which uh, you should. But we'll see. But that's insane, and I couldn't. I had to read that story a number of times because I could not believe that that happened. I could not believe it. I'm saying for how they how they pretty much strapped Bronson Sherry to a post and lit him on fire about him taking uh, steroids or, or performance-enhancing anabolics, you know, you would have thought that the guy, you know, murdered, you know, baby lambs for a living. I don't I don't know. It was just, it's it was really over the top for a young kid. But for Brent Naden to do that, We'll see. I, I, I'm looking forward to more stories on this is because I know more information is going to be coming out. And then my last story in the 4020. You remember me telling you last week it sounded like Josh Alloway for the West Tigers was forcing his way 
like Ryan Matheson out of the door, out of the tiger shed, saying he didn't like the direction the team was going in and and just wasn't happy. And some people were saying that a lot of that was due to the fact that he wasn't getting a, the contract extension that he was hoping for. No matter the case, it's a done deal. Josh Alloway is now a manly seagull. And the reason that, that they're saying that that was allowed to happen is because the Tigers have signed Joe Afanwahe. Uh, Afanwahe. Uh, that was beautiful. Say that five times. Um, but Joe is coming from the Brisbane Broncos, and I know that he is a great player. Uh, he was an origin player. Uh, not last season, but I think the season before that. Uh, it could have been last season. But e- either way, an origin-level player. And don't forget, the Great West Tigers didn't have one player in origin camp, let alone on the origin field putting on the jersey last year, which I I can't believe that they did not invite David Nafaluma into camp. Uh, I think you all know how, how, how big of a fan of Nafaluma as a player, how he never puts his head down. I'm saying he's... You know, he's never played in the postseason for the Tigers. And the Tigers better step up and put that money down because the Penrith Panthers are starting, excuse me, the uh, the Parramatta Eels are circling. And if he doesn't get the money that he's asking for, I would hate to see David Nafaluma for as much as, and for as proud of a Tiger player as he's been, if you've watched him score tries and kiss the emblem on his jersey, he loves being a Tiger. But he also wants to get paid his value and his worth, and he deserves to. So hopefully the Tigers don't bungle this up and lose David Nafaluma to your rival, by the way, too. Because I'd hate to go to an Easter match against the Parramatta Eels and see David Nafaluma on the other side of the field. Uh, And that is, unfortunately, what looks like could happen if the Tigers don't step up and hold serve and, and, and pay David Nafaluma kind of the only bright spot they've had besides Benji playing well, and you saw what they did to Benji. So that is some big some big stories out of this. But to, to piggyback off of the Alloway moving, it sounds like they're getting ready to meet up, the NRL Integrity Board and the NRL itself, about changing the way players can one, force themselves out of contracts um, to get more money, which I've always said needed to happen. I don't I don't think players need to be negotiating for for next year's contract when there's to play for another team. And you already know going into a season that that player's not even going to be on your roster next year. I just I think that that is a conflict of interest, and I've never liked that. And it looks like that they are going to work on maybe stamping this situation out about negotiations when they can happen. And when a player signs a contract, that player has to honor that contract. And I think that's, I think in all sports, you want to see that. You want to know when you sign a guy for three years, you got the guy for three years unless you're going to trade him. And I, hey, I usually, I usually side with the players when it comes to a lot of decisions. But again, if you don't like the money, don't sign it. If you don't, if you think you want to make more money or deserve more money, don't sign the contract. And that is where I kind of, I, I really side with the ownership with this. Um, you know, I guess if players can force their way out of it, you got to do what you have to do. But I just think that that's kind of, I just think that is a little below the belt. I think that's just a little, some dirty pool that players are that the players have been doing. And I don't really think, to be honest with you guys, I don't think shedheads that this has anything to do with the players themselves. I think this has to do with their agents. I think this is their agents telling them what they need to do, what they can do. Let's see what type of money we can get, blah, blah, blah. I think this is the agents. I think most players are loyal to their clubs. Most players, uh, when they sign something, they're thinking about being there for three years or they wouldn't sign a three-year deal. Um, So that is going to be a big story to follow and to watch for next week as well. So transition to outside the bubble a story just broke within the last 30 minutes as I was getting ready to come on the air. Russell Westbrook of the Houston Rockets has been traded to the Washington Wizards for John Wall. That's a big time deal. 
That's a big-time deal in the standpoint that I think you've heard me talk the last few weeks that Westbrook had been angling to get out of Houston. Uh, A lot of people said that he had been looking at Miami. I never really thought Russell Westbrook fit into the quote-unquote demographic of what Pat Riley does down in Miami. First off, the general down there is the president of Big Face Coffee, Jimmy Buckets, Jimmy Butler. And Russell Westbrook's kind of assassin, me-against-the-world mentality does not go hand-in-hand with the way Pat Riley runs a franchise. It hasn't been the way Pat Riley's coached or run anything since he was back at the Lakers. And that's when he had stars like Magic Johnson, uh, Michael Cooper, um, you know, just incredible players. So I did not see him going to the Miami Heat, but I did not see him going to the Washington Wizards as well. But I think what you're seeing is a lot of players think the road to the NBA championship is going to be a lot easier coming out of the East than the bloodbath that's going to be the NBA Western Conference. Because truthfully, you've just got to get into the playoffs. And if you think about it, you've got Boston, Miami, possibly Brooklyn, if they can get if, if if Steve Nash can get all those prima donnas to play together. But really, that's three clubs. Philadelphia, I think Doc Rivers will do some incredible stuff with Philadelphia. Um, ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, if they can actually break bread and eat dinner together. Uh, I don't know what is going on, why those guys don't get along, but uh, hopefully Doc can come in there and do some kumbaya and get those guys to start thinking that their job is to win together instead of pull each other apart. But that's 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 four teams. That's four teams that you pretty much can, can write in number two ink onto a piece of paper and say they will be in the Eastern Conference playoffs next year, okay? That leaves four spots open for teams to get in. And... They're really up for grabs. You know, you've got the Indiana Pacers. You've got you've got Toronto, who is not going to even be playing in Canada because of uh, the incredible way America's handled COVID. But Toronto is not going to be able to go back and forth between Canada and the United States. So their new base of operations is Tampa Bay. That's right. Did you like the pause for effect? The Tampa Bay area, besides Tom Brady's, and his ego, besides the Tampa Bay Rays and them pulling pitchers at the wrong time, the Tampa Bay area now has an NBA franchise. Those Raptors are now going to be wearing board shorts and flip-flops instead of toques because they will be in Florida. And so you would think that the Raptors will be in that mix, but that leaves then again three spots open. And I think a lot of these guys in the West, especially Russell Westbrook, thinks that he's going to be back with Scotty Brooks, his coach, when he was with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And that's probably why this move was done. Because Russell Westbrook played his best basketball when he was coached by Scott Brooks. And I guarantee you Scott Brooks loves West, Russell Westbrook and his heart and his grit and his determination. And it gives you a chance to get John Wall out of there. And I think John Wall has become stagnant in Washington. I know John Wall loves the East Coast. But it gives John Wall a chance for a fresh start. It gives John Wall a chance to go to Houston. And the question is, will the beard be there? Because I think the beard wants out of Houston as well. James Harden wants out. So what does that mean? Does James Harden really continue to pivot and to push his way out of Houston to get up to Brooklyn, I think that's where he wants to be. Um, and does he, you know, go side up with the Brooklyn Nets? And now you've got an entire different change that's chat that you know the face of the East has changed, and the face of the West has gotten easier for some teams. Because Houston, folks, if they lose Westbrook and Harden, Houston is not going to be in the eight next year. They're just not. I know John Wall's a great player but I don't know which John Wall we're going to get. He's been injured so much lately. I hope John Wall comes back and proves everybody wrong and becomes John Wall again, the guy with the cape on his back. 
One thing Houston is going to get is a good man that does incredible things for his community. And hopefully that still transition from D.C. to Houston. But John Wall, Westbrook, swapping jerseys. I'm really, really, really excited to see where this where this goes. Um, it is going to be strange. I'm worried about some of these players' health. We've already had Klay Thompson go down with an Achilles injury because of everybody rushing to get into to match fitness. The NBA season starts December 22nd, and we've already got preseason games that start on December 11th. And it really worries me about some of the injuries that we're going to get from this. Uh, and I think Clay is just the beginning of it. So um, we'll see. We'll see. I did also see that this is this is this is juicy, folks. This is juicy, shedheads. That to start the season on December twenty second, their marquee match that night is Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets taking on his old team. Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. That, folks, is going to be fun. That is going to be a good, good time. And I I can't wait to see some of the drama leading up to this. Because you know KD, boy, he can get get ruffled pretty quick. Uh, So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But to me, that is going to be a good time. So NBA, uh, once again, you did it right with the bubble. And again, hopefully you can do it right for your players again this year. Because again, a story that just broke, 48 players have tested positive now for COVID. And we haven't even started the season yet. So, you know, Doc Rivers spoke about his concern about this. So we'll see. Because it does not look like we're going with the bubble situation. And how could you ask these guys to do eight months in a bubble? But we're not going in a bubble situation. Um... So we'll see. We'll see. I think I think only time will tell. I think what all these teams are, and I don't care what sporting franchise you are, what league you're talking about, I think everyone's praying that this we get a vaccine for COVID ASAP because that could change a lot of things. I am really going outside the bubble for this next story. And I don't know how you know how many boxing fans I have here uh, inside um, inside the sheds, folks, or as I say, my shed heads. But I don't know if you watched last week. I guess a YouTuber. I I, I watch YouTube for movie trailers uh, and some interviews occasionally. But I really don't care what video you're putting on. Synchronized dancing with your dog. Don't care. Don't care. Did I say that out loud? Don't care. I don't care if you can lip sync. Don't care. Uh, I want a little bit of either knowledge from what I watch, updates from what I watch, or a movie that might interest me. That's all I care about. After that, YouTube, nothing against you guys, but that's all I got time for you for. But there's a guy they call a YouTuber, a YouTube sensation, which I know nothing about this guy, but this guy named Jake Paul, big tall blonde guy. Did a so I guess it was a celebrity. I guess it was on the same card as the Tyson fight. I guess that's what you could call that. But he knocked out ex NBA player Nate Robinson. And I know, I know you guys know me well enough to know that the reason I'm bringing this up isn't because of Jake Paul, who I know nothing about. And I do like Nate Robinson. I have no idea why Nate Robinson's in a boxing ring. But that got somebody's attention. A guy I'm a big, big, big fan of. A guy that to me is, as the great Stuart Scott would say, cooler than the other side of the pillow. An NHL hockey player, the the president of the NHL Players Association, a player by the name of Evander Kane. If you want to watch a guy that plays at 1,000 miles an hour, will check, score, and then drop the gloves and take you behind the woodshed, and beat you like the little stepchild in the alley? Check out Evander Kane's highlights on YouTube. There you go. Well, here's the thing. Jake Paul got a little confident, started doing a little little celebration in the ring, and Evander Kane noticed this. And Evander Kane said he would love to fight Jake Paul. 
and now is pushing hard to fight Jake Paul. Let me tell you something, Jake Paul. I don't know you, and I don't know what type of excitement you're bringing to your YouTube channel, but beating up Nate Robinson, who might be one of the shorter players in the NBA, and, and getting in the ring with Evander Kane, that's like going from fighting Rachel Ray to fighting Arnold via Conan the Barbarian era. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> what am I saying? Do it. Do it. Because I would love to see a Vader Kane put on those gloves and get in the ring with a YouTube guy. I would love it. And I would watch it. And a Vader Kane, for as much as I just, how, how should I say, blew that bubble up with saying how great you are, you better get me a TKO. You better get me a TKO, Evander Kane. But anyway, I had to say that because when I heard Evander Kane wants to fight a guy from YouTube, I got excited. So maybe we'll get that because right now we're not getting much else from the NHL. We've got them not agreeing on starting times and everything else. So um, hopefully they'll get that together. But Team Kane is speaking over here. Your shed Adamas is 100% behind Team Kane. So we're leaving that story where that's at. But hopefully we'll get an update. and Maybe I'll have something for you guys next week about if Evander Kane is going to fight a guy from YouTube. But uh, like I said, go on YouTube and check out Evander Kane. He's, he, is, he is awesome. My last story for Outside the Bubble, I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier that the, the Steelers and the Ravens may be one of the best, if not the best, rivalry going on in the, N- the NFL right now. Uh, played today and a lot of players Roger Goodell talked at halftime saying that he thought that it was good to go forward with this and that you know that it looked like COVID was 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 declining with the Ravens instead of having this game because don't forget this game was supposed to be played on Thanksgiving night which was last Thursday then it got postponed to Sunday at two o'clock I think then it got postponed from then till Tuesday. And they're not going to say it out loud, but it sounds like the Ravens said that they were going to boycott the game if they couldn't have one more day. What the Ravens were doing was they were trying to get one more day so they thought they could get their two starting running backs back. It didn't work. They didn't play again still, but the game did get pushed back till Wednesday. Which, like I said earlier, made this week in the NFL the longest week in NFL history. And has caused two games to be changed to different dates. So some of these guys can at least have a few days to recover from an NFL football game. But the game ended 1914. How should I say this? Was not pleasing on the eyes whatsoever. Your Steelers are now unbeaten in 11-0. But the Ravens... For being a team that, you know, probably still have something stuck up their nose, checking them during the game to see if they were COVID positive, sure played a hell of a game today. Uh, and Robert Griffin the third, RG3, being RG3, somewhat hurt his hamstring again, his first start since week 17 of last year. But RG3 got hurt again, and my boy Trace McSorley from Penn State got in. <laughs> Who would have thought? I know Trace McSorley was not thinking two weeks ago that he was going to be running out on the field playing quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, even though he's been on the roster for a while. And I and I and I really really like Trace McSorley. I loved watching him play at Penn State, but McSorley got on the field because RG three got hurt again. And let's not go into the history of of, of RG three Robert Griffin the third because with all the talent in the world, this guy has been hurt. Time and time and time again. I'm saying even his freshman year at Baylor, he he blew his knee out. Um, so the game was played. The Ravens won. If you missed it, you didn't miss much. I know that uh, word is coming out that the starting linebacker for the Steelers um, might have injured his knee. That it, it, We don't know how bad of an injury it is. But that might be the one lasting thing from this game. Uh, the other lasting thing is now the Ravens are really in trouble. Uh, the Ravens are going to probably have to win five of the last, well, four, of, I guess. They're going to have to win at least four games in the remaining games if they're going to even have a shot at making the playoffs. And that team just has seemed out of touch, out of flex. 
Um, just not the same Ravens team that was lighting up the scoreboards last year. So they've really got a a tough road ahead of them if they're going to um, want to make it back to the playoffs this year because Tennessee's playing well, uh, Indianapolis is playing well, um, a Cleveland team that hasn't done anything for years is probably in the playoffs. So Baltimore is really going to have to struggle to get in. They're going to have to really, really play really, really well um, and really kind of change the way their season's gone. And we'll see. I guess that's why we play the games, isn't it? That's why we play the games. Well, my friends, Shedheads, that brings us to a close this week. And I don't know, like I said, how I started. I hope you guys are going to do a few ab crunches with me this next week, especially if you're you're here stateside, to get off a little bit of that, that, that turkey trimmings that might be around your waist. But um, no matter where you're at, folks, Shedheads, please just stay safe. Um, I think, unfortunately, especially here in America, it's going to get tougher before it gets better. Um, you know, I, the only thing I can say is stay positive, but please pay attention to protocol because I'll tell you what won't allow us to get to, how should I say the ending or to the, you know, to the tape to get this thing over with is if we say, you know what, I'm tired of wearing a mask because that's not going to help anybody. And I think we're about ready to see some bad, bad things from the travel and everything that happened over the holidays. So if you're listening to stateside, listen to me there. But if you're down under, if you're if you're my brethren in Australia, New Zealand, um, hey, you guys put in your work. You guys put in your time. You put in your, you're staying locked, locked in. So enjoy it. Get to the beaches. Get to Bondi. Get to, get to the places, you know. Show everybody those washboard abs I know you've you've picked up during quarantine. But anyway, that's it. This is your Shed Adamus. You've been listening to Outside the Sheds. I'm your host, Corey Jackson. Until next time, Shedheads, stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. We will see you next week. See ya! And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.